Good morning. The word of the Lord from Acts 19:23 to 31. About that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together, along with the workers in related trades, and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and that the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. Thank you. Good morning. I had the joy of going to um, a Young Life uh, event, fundraiser, celebration of all that God's doing with the ministry of Young Life. And if you've ever been to some of their camps or some of their events, they have uh, what is called cardboard testimonies. And these are powerful testimonies from kids on what God has done with their life, what their life was like previously, and now what it's like in Jesus Christ as they've been transformed. And so they'll hold up a cardboard sign. On one side, it will say, addicted to many things. And then they'll flip it. And it will say, freed in Jesus Christ. Then they'll have another one. Lonely and lost. And they'll flip it. Found and loved and valuable. And student after student comes and shares their cardboard testimony of how God has transformed their life made them new, made them alive in Christ. God is doing an incredible work in Ephesus, and he's transforming people's lives from darkness into light, from being lost to being found, from being hopeless to being given hope. Look what he says in chapter 19, verses 17. Through 19. We talked about this last week. 
But I just don't want to forget what God is doing and what He does today. Verse 17. After He had powerfully judged those who were faking it, trying to cast out demons in Jesus' name, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them, and look what happens, and the name of the Lord Jesus was lifted high, it was extolled. And many of those who were now believers, what happened is because God was dealing with their hearts, they came confessing and divulging their practices. God was dealing with their sin. And they confessed and repented. And many of those were confessing and divulging. And a number of those who had practiced the magic arts, they were living in darkness. They were living in the bondage of the power of Satan. They brought their books, their sorcery books together, and they burned them in the sight of all. And the value of them came to 50,000 pieces of silver. And so the word of the Lord, look what happens. The word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Those who were being transformed in Ephesus by the love of Jesus and continued to tell people about it, the word of God kept going out. People are being trained and taught about who God is and his love and how to live for Jesus. And that message continues to this day for each and every one of us. God is a transformative God. We become new creations in Christ, don't we? How great is our God? How great is our God? God continues to do this work in Ephesus. The Spirit came upon the twelve. Jackson taught us about that. The Holy Spirit is literally coming upon thousands in Ephesus, as He is in Boise, Idaho. The Spirit is crushing the enemies, bringing light into darkness. There is confession. And there is repentance, a true repentance, at the foot of the cross that Christ paid for our sin. His blood has washed over us. He was the payment. And He rose again. And He gives life to us who would believe in Him. He's doing this work and all of a sudden, there's all this, these lives being transformed. And it's costly. But it's worth the cost. Burning those books worth thousands and thousands of dollars. I want to find life in Jesus. Because in these books, is nothing but death. Thomas Chalmers says this. I love this. He said, the people of Ephesus came upon a new affection. They developed a new affection. And it was for Jesus Christ. Those students at Young Life the other night developed a new affection for Jesus Christ. And he changed their life. How great is our God His love transforms us. How great is our God that as we develop a new affection for Him, He's going to continue to draw us close to Him. And our God is a jealous God. And because He is, 
because he is the lover of our souls, because he is the savior of our lives, his love will confront our idols. Look at verse 21. After these events, after the, the demons were, were crushed, the, the fake prophets, the sorcerers are coming to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's love confronts our idols. He's confronting at the moment the power that they were looking to, to to give them life. They were depending on this power, and it really was power from the enemy. But that's where they were looking to get life and power and, and resource. Actually, they're getting paid for these things. God was in his love confronting the idols of sex, all the the sexual immorality that was happening in the temple of Artemis, he's confronting those idols. Idols that, in Ephesus, they were just part of the culture. This is the norm. This is the way everybody lives life. And what God is doing is saying, hey, you're a child of mine now. You were looking to all those things for life. You were looking to idols to meet your needs. That's not how we live now as a new creation in Christ. You will find all that you need in me. I am your life. I am your Savior. I'm going to deal with those idols that you keep stepping into. And I know it's been part of your culture. I know that it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. But through the power of my Holy Spirit, I'm going to show you this is sin. This is destruction. This is death for your life. So God in his love will always confront our idols that we have for us. He's going to strip them away. And how beautiful that they begin to recognize their sin. What happens in this is Paul recognizes, he's he's looking around and he's been ministering for two years. Remember, he's teaching in the halls of Tyrannus. All of Asia Minor is knowing about Jesus and the word is getting out and thousands and thousands are coming to Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And so Paul feels at the moment, listen, God has done a great work. He's used me here for these many years. I would like to move on. I want to go over to Macedonia, into Greece. I want to to eventually end up in Rome. I want to get into Rome because they're the most powerful. You know Paul's heart. He wants to get before The emperors. He wants to get before all those who lead and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the desire of his heart. He wants to go there. But here's the deal. God had different plans. Isn't that often the case for us? We think we want to go one way, and this seems like it would be a good way to go. And the guy's saying, you know what? Hey, I appreciate your heartbeat. But I have different plans for you right now. Will you listen to me? How are you doing with that, by the way? How do you handle that when God has a different course for you? Do you fight against them? Or do you trust them? Saying, Lord, you are a faithful God. You are a good God, and you know actually what's best for me. You know what's best for this community where I'm at. You know where you want me to be used of you. I am no longer my own. I am bought with a price. So wherever you want to take me, Lord, that's where I'm going to go. God had different plans. Verse 23 says this. 
At this time, as all this was happening, and as Paul was thinking about moving on, at this time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. I love that wording there. I think Star Wars stole that. I sensed there was a great disturbance in the force. Paul wrote to the Corinthians this. He said, I really want to come and see you. This is in Corinthians 1, uh, chapter 16. But I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. There are many here who oppose me, many adversaries. And as we enter into this chapter this morning, we're seeing all of a sudden Demetrius and the silversmiths are coming against the way. The way was the name for those who were followers of Jesus Christ, Christians. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Demetrius, they run into Demetrius, the silversmith. Let me show you a slide of of what he was making in the temple. This again, just a reminder, this is the amazing temple of Artemis. And the goddess, Artemis, that's a picture of her. She was in the center of that temple. And then they were making all kinds of little silver Artemis idols for people to have in their homes. And these are different. This is Diana as well as other gods and goddesses. The silversmiths had an amazing business making these idols. And everybody in the community had these. But what happened is people are falling in love with Jesus and they're starting to recognize, oh my goodness, we're worshiping other gods. And so it's starting to affect Demetrius and his business. Demetrius had no little business, the scriptures say. That means he had a big business from this. He speaks to the other silversmiths. We get our wealth from this business. Paul has turned away people. And you know what Paul is saying? I can't even believe he's saying this. He's saying that these gods that we are making are made with human hands, and they're not gods at all. This is Demetrius' argument to his people. Can you believe he's saying these aren't gods at all, and they're made by human hands? Which is exactly what's happening. The logic of the world. Can you believe it? And then he goes on, Demetrius does, he says, our work is going to decline. But instead of just holding on to that, it's like, I can't really present a good argument to say, well, we're losing business. So what does he do? He starts to spiritualize it. So I say, listen, it will take away from the glory of the temple of Artemis. She might be knocked down. She might be taken out. The one whom all worship, who worship her in Asia and around the world, our great and powerful Artemis. All powerful, everybody worships her. That one who is so amazing, she needs us to protect her glory. It's funny how we justify our idols. We try to spiritualize them. No, 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 it's not just about money. We care about Artemis and her glory. But what's happening in the community is the power of God, His gospel, the Holy Spirit is moving across. Lives are being transformed. 
in the city and idle cells are going way down. They're not buying the little silver Artemis idols. And it's affecting the business. This new affection is having a beautiful godly impact in Ephesus. What if we lived our Christian lives in such a powerful, authentic, trusting, serving, loving way that it impacted, it changed the corrupt culture that we live in today? What if we live lives like this? It was happening in Ephesus. It literally changed the culture. You need to understand, Ephesus became a Christian city. People were falling in love with Jesus, a new affection all over the place. The other side of that is, or are we just going to blend in with culture? Are we just going to blend in? Yeah, we buy our little idol over here. Just sits on the shelf. Everybody's doing it. But I love you, God. But I have my little idol over here. I'm just going to blend in with culture. Go with the flow. Another thing with Young Life. I love the ministry of Young Life, if you haven't seen that already. But here's, here's what happens with Young Life. People become leaders in Young Life ministry. And their whole lives are sold out to impacting the community. All their time, all their money, all their energy is to going in and being with kids so that they can know the amazing love of Jesus Christ. They want each kid to know that they are known, that they are seen, that they are valuable, that they are loved. And how do they do that? They go onto all the campuses, all throughout this Treasure Valley, and they just, they're just with kids. And they say, hey, you're valuable. I'm here because I care about you. And you know what's happening? Cardboard testimonies. Lives are being transformed. Thousands of kids in the Treasure Valley are coming to know the love of Jesus Christ. Because money, resource, everything about them is sold out for Jesus Christ. Impacting the culture. And it was interesting, they were showing pictures of just all these different events, and, and several years ago, it's like, hey, here's an event, we had a paint war, there's a, there's, there's a few kids there, 100 maybe, they showed it this last season, there's, there's like three, 400 kids, all covered in paint, because they had this wonderful paint, they're just celebrating life together, all these kids are attracted to Jesus. Literally, the youth culture is changing. What if we live lives in such a way? What's God calling you to step into the culture? Stop going with the flow. Well, someone else will care about those kids. What is God calling you to do? Transform culture. God loves us enough to confront our idols. The things that we're holding on to, we're worshiping other than Him. Instead of getting rid of those idols and transforming culture for Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
idols, those things that we're looking to for life, those things that we're depending upon, that we're really worshiping other than our Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesus, what we're seeing here is that the idol that he's dealing with in the city that was known as the great treasury, the great treasury of Asia. What he's dealing with is the pocketbook. He's dealing with money. And he's going right to the core of Demetrius, the whole city. It's one of those idols in our lives. And you know what, for most of us, I think if we're real honest, it does become, at one time or another, an idol for us. It holds a lot of our attention. It holds a lot of our affection. In the church, what we've seen throughout the communities is that we try to justify, we try to spiritualize money and greed. And so we've developed this prosperity gospel which says this, hey, God wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to have all this stuff. God is blessing you with wealth. And we just try to justify our greed and our bad stewardship of God's money. Is all of our hope placed in money and what it provides for us? And I think the question we have to ask for all of us this morning is what role does money play in your life? Honestly, what does it look like for you? Has it become a little idol over here? And you're going to kind of hold on to control of that man-made idol? I'll control my money. What does it look like for you? I have to ask myself that question all the time. It doesn't matter whether you have a lot or you have a little. Money becomes an idol for us. A lot of our attention and affection goes towards it. And oftentimes we put way too much hope in our money. There was a man in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He needed money. For whatever reasons, he just needed money. He had a lot of bills. Maybe he was addicted and he needed to pay for things. But he needed money, so he figured this plan. I'm going to make a counterfeit bill. I'm going to make a counterfeit bill, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the grocery store, I'm going to take it down there, and I'm going to ask for change from this counterfeit bill. And as I go down there, uh, I'll buy a little candy bar, and then I'll get a change for my bill. And so he's thinking, he's like, well, listen, if I'm going to actually do this, I want to go big. And so he's thinking to himself, what kind of bill could I do so that I can be set for life, so I can pay my bills so that I can enjoy life. And so he decides he's going to counterfeit a million-dollar bill. (laughs) And he started to put all his hope and his dreams about what it's going to look like for his life in this counterfeit bill. And so he created a counterfeit million-dollar bill. And he showed up to the store, and he bought a couple candy bars, put it down, and he wanted change back. And obviously, the manager came up front, said, sir, this is not an acceptable bill. And he actually got very irate. He broke the scanner. He took the scanner off the deal, and he threw it on the ground. said, this is my million-dollar bill. It's authentic. And then the police showed up and arrested this man trying to 
exchange and get money back for his million dollar bill. All his hope, all his hope put into that which was counterfeit. An idol. Everything putting in our hopes and our dreams. And when we put all of our hopes and dreams in any idol, whatever it would be, anything other than our Lord Jesus Christ, it ends up being broken and empty. It's counterfeit. This is what's happening in Ephesus. For Demetrius and all those in Ephesus, again, they were very affluent in that city. And I would just encourage you and your family as you talk about money, is just really evaluate what, what place does money have in my life? Has it become an idol for me? Are you finding that you and your spouse are fighting over money often because it has a certain priority in your life? Are you depending too much on your retirement account, putting all your hope into that? Always worried about it? It's wise to plan for the future, but is it consuming you? Are you investing in the market and every day you're like, I hope my money's increasing? Your affection is towards your money? They're just honest questions. We all have to ask them. I'm not, I'm not immune from that. But as we deal with Ephesus and Demetrius and all that's going on in the culture, money for all of us becomes an idol at times. And God in his amazing love is going to strip that away from us. Because he's the only one who's worthy of our praise. Or are we kingdom-minded with the use of God's money? Are we using it to build into his kingdom work? young life or path caring for these women. What are we doing with God's money? And that's one of the places that we always need to get to. It's God's money. What are we doing with it? These Christians were living in such a way that they were withholding money from buying the idols and it was impacting the culture. And they were investing in the spiritual things of Paul and those who were leading in the church and building the kingdom of Christ. And they were using that with God's money. It's an amazing scene that's going on in Ephesus. And when we start to live for Christ, when we start to make changes in culture, when we speak truth into a situation, or when we withhold things that the rest of the culture is doing, Guess what happens? There's attack. There's attack that comes upon us. And we need to expect that attack is going to come. When we live for Christ and His kingdom, when we go against the flow of culture, there is attack that takes place. And I want to set the scene for you with Demetrius and what's going on in the city of Ephesus. It's the festival of Artemision, of Artemis. And literally thousands flock to the city. It's a month-long festival. It's like a Mardi Gras today. Or it's like a Burning Man festival. We're going to all come, and we're just going to all get drunk, and we're going to do just all these incredible things of debauchery, and and we're just going to live for ourselves. Everything's going to be out in the open. 
and we're going to give worship to Artemis. That's what's going on in this scene in the scriptures. And there's going to be this incredible attack that comes upon the people of the way. But he is our shield and our peace when we face attack. The people get stirred up. They're coming down this main road. I want to show you some images of of, uh, Ephesus and what it looked like in the stadium and what was going on. There was the Arcadian Way and it led to the great theater. 25,000 people could be held in this stadium. And here's what it says in verse 29. Soon the whole city was in an uproar and in confusion. And they seized Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. All of them rushed together into the theater. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. And even some of the officials of the province and the friends of Paul, they sent a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. This is the theater. And they all gathered here together, 25,000 strong. And it's kind of a comical scene, isn't it? All of a sudden, it's a scene. People are rushing and they're angry. They're celebrating Artemis. And all of a sudden, people are running down the Arcadian Way into the stadium. And you can kind of, it says they're in confusion. They don't even know what they're yelling at. It's like, hey, what are we angry about? I don't know. That guy's yelling. Let's go be angry together. And all of a sudden, this mob comes into the stadium. Confusion, it says over and over again in the scriptures. Isn't that the way the enemy works? This is a dark, dark city. Isn't he the evil one who is one who leads us into confusion? Did God really say? Well, I don't know. Did he? Probably not. I'm confused now. That's how the enemy works. He leads people into confusion. So they're all rushing in and they're attacking the followers of Jesus Christ. And verse 34 says, For two hours in the great stadium, this drunken, confused mob is yelling, Artemis is great. Two hours. Artemis is great. Have you ever experienced that before? Boise State. (laughs) Boise State. Artemis, great. And it went on for two hours. Artemis is great, this drunken mob yelling. But look how our Lord, our great God, protects us. He's our shield. He's our defender. Paul wanted to go in. He wanted to go in. He's thinking, I think these people need to hear the gospel. But some of the disciples used by the Lord said, hey, Paul, these, they're murderous rage. It's mob mentality. Don't go in. Don't go in. We need you to continue the work of the Lord. And then the Lord uses city officials to speak to him. They're actually friends of him. They're not, they're not even godly people. They're just, they care about him. And God uses, he leads people into his life. Hey, Paul, it's not wise to go in there. Don't do it. And then God, look how he protects. God is our defender. Verse 35, the town clerk comes speaking forth, and he starts to speak 
wisdom and actually logic to the me- this mob mentality. He says, listen, the great rock that came from the stars, Artemis, who's in the temple right now, it's there. You can't deny it. Look, go. It's there. So why are we stirring up this great thing that Artemis is going to be fallen or taken off her throne? It's not going to happen. She's right there. God uses the town clerk and leads him to speak his wisdom to the people. You can go see it. You can't deny it. And all these men, they haven't been blasphemous or sacrilegious. If Demetrius has a charge, guess what? The courts are open. And if he wants to take it further, he can take it to all of us. And we'll hear his case. Incredible wisdom that God is using the people. And he's moving people. And as he speaks all of this in this stadium, and as he's speaking to the crowd of 25,000, they listen to him. Because God is our defender and our shield when we face attack. And all of a sudden they decide, okay, we'll disperse. We'll disperse. You don't think that's the movement of the Lord? Don't you understand how he uses whoever he wants to use for his kingdom purposes? He moves kings like rivers. And God steps in. And our God is a God of great peace. He provides peace in the middle of an unfair attack to Paul and to all the people who are followers of Jesus Christ. I love how Paul and the Christians, they're not sitting out there attacking Artemis and all that Artemis is doing. They're not afraid. They're not running away. But you know what they're doing with great peace from the Lord? They're just speaking the love of God. They're speaking the love of Jesus. Our great God is a God who protects us, who is our defender. He is our peace in the middle of these chaotic situations. And they trust their Lord. Lord, you have your hand upon this. Lord, we're just going to continue to speak love. We're not going to come and attack Artemis and all that she's doing. We're just going to speak who you are, and lives are transformed. And so they can have peace and rest, that God is doing what he's doing. We're going to speak that he is the Savior. Isaiah 26 says, You will keep me in a perfect peace. In double peace, really. Shalom, shalom, you will keep me in. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. When Christ is our new affection, attack comes. When we live for him, contrary to the world, attack will come. But our great God is our peace. Verse 4 of Isaiah 26. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. How great is our God. I'm struck that for two hours, they're saying Artemis is great. Artemis is great. But what's going to happen in the city of Ephesus? is he's going to strip away all those idols because he's a jealous God. And he's going to show them when you put all of your hope and your trust in that which is not me in idols, it'll lead to nothing but death and destruction and emptiness and loneliness. Let me show you this great temple of Artemis 
what exists today in Ephesus. Remember I told you the temple had 127 pillars, one of the great wonders of the world. What's left today, one pillar, and there is no worship of Artemis anymore. Ephesus became a city that gave worship to the great God, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the only one who is worthy to be praised. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an amazing God. You are a great God. And Father, I pray this morning that that you will strip away any of those idols that we're holding on to, that we're looking for life and, and anything else but you. From the beginning to the end, the Alpha, the Omega, you are a great God. And Father, may you draw us close and may our hearts be drawn to you, a new affection. And Father, we want to, with all of our lives, with all of our being, give you all the praise that you deserve. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.